Welcome to Savor Food and Body, a podcast for women in midlife who are ready to lose the mental and emotional weight of dieting. I'm your host, Amanda Bullitt, an undieting dietitian and certified intuitive eating counselor. Join me as I talk with other experts in the fields of intuitive eating, women's health, body image, and so much more. You'll also hear stories of women just like you who have learned to undiet their lives and fully embrace wellness without obsession. Let's get started. What we're going to talk about today, and I kind of alluded to this last week too, is that we are talking about body image uh, this month and for the for the next few weeks. And so one of the things that came up in a client session this week is kind of this connection between body image, emotional eating, and how we we use food to cope with emotions, which I've talked a lot about here. And you can go and listen to any a variety of those podcast episodes um, about emotional eating and how I view uh, emotional coping toolboxes, having a variety of coping tools and letting food still be one of those. But I want to get a little bit more specific today and talk about uh, some four instances on where we might turn towards food for emotional coping and how that ends up relating to having a pretty shitty relationship with food and uh, that ends up being reflective in our body image too, particularly when it comes to body confidence and feeling like, ah, why can't I just eat normally? And so the first scenario, I guess we'll say, on where emotional eating can um, kind of start to happen on autopilot without us really noticing in it. And it's because if you're undernourished, period, you're just hungry, you're not fed enough. And when we're under emotional distress, um, be that stress, overwhelm, anxiety, um, feeling all the feels, it's not uncommon to get pretty distracted from our hunger cues, our satisfaction cues, what we might need to be feeding ourselves regularly because it's your nervous system shutting down those really primal cues because it thinks that you're running from a bear and there's not time to sit down and have a sandwich if you're running from a bear. So when you're in a particularly stressful time in your life, I find it can be helpful to set a gentle mindfulness reminder that just says, hey, you need to feed yourself every few hours, every couple of hours, something small, you know, have a snack or something every couple of hours if it just doesn't feel well to you to like sit down and have a meal. And even though it's really hard when you're in these stressful periods and seasons, to think about balanced nutrition, think about having enough variety. So that's why having some tools in place, which we've talked about on other episodes too, to make eating really easy, not complicated, but hopefully balanced too. So I often find with folks when we start gravitating towards those highly pleasurable, palatable, soothing foods, Sometimes from a nutrition standpoint, we can be lacking in enough carbohydrates or enough protein and just lacking in that balance of nutrition period, which is totally understandable when we're stressed. You're just not thinking about uh, having balanced nutrition. So that's why it can be really helpful to just have a go-to list of these are some main protein sources, carb sources, healthy fats that I keep around in my house all the time so that if I'm in a particularly stressful time in, in my life, I have a go-to list to go shopping with 
covered that in another episode, um, and I'm happy to go into that in more details on how you can create those kind of easy go-to shopping lists. You can hit me up, hit contact on the alpinenutrition.org uh, website, and I'm happy to answer those questions anymore. So that's scenario number one, when we're just you're stressed, you're tired, you're anxious, you're burned out, um, and you just might not be feeding yourself very consistently or with enough variety. And again, we're not here to, to shame or judge that behavior. It just is what it is. So the other scenario too is a lack of physical or mental permission with the food. So when you're working on healing your relationship with food and practicing intuitive eating, it's really important and really foundational to work on allowing all foods to come to your table and that there's space for all foods in a balanced, healthy, nor normal eating um, way of eating. And when some, what I find with a lot of the women that I work with is that we can work on that physical component of the food first, meaning you're regularly buying the food, you have it in your house. And, and that's a big step, like being able to physically have a more triggering, emotionally triggering food in your house and getting used to, you don't have to finish the whole package all at one time or practicing with that emotional connection with the food. Like why is this food a go-to emotional coping food? And practicing like you, what that feels like to, to feel like you might get out of control with this food and really sit with that and work through that. Of course, that's something that we go through in private nutrition counseling or group nutrition counseling too. And so oftentimes that physical permission, meaning you're bringing the food into your physical space, you're regularly buying it, that can be one of the first steps. And then the second step to this is now mentally giving yourself the permission to be enjoying this food on a regular basis outside of emotional distress. Just when you want to have some chips with your sandwich, have some chips with your sandwich or with your tacos or whatever, and, you know, finish any meal breakfast, lunch, any meal with dessert, um, if more of those sweet foods are triggering for you too, uh, and kind of uh, present some of that emotional disease. And so the mental permission is also not judging yourself for eating the food, even if you end up eating it for emotional coping reasons. If you go in down that rabbit hole of like, oh, I shouldn't have done this, I shouldn't have eaten this food, it's not a healthy food. What's it going to do to my blood sugar? What's it going to do to my cholesterol? What's it going to do to my weight? I shouldn't have, shouldn't have, shouldn't have done this. Then that mental, there's still mental restriction around that food. It's not truly full permission with the food. So like I said, that's kind of the second layer to this permission piece. The first is to physically always have that food around. And the second is to be practicing mentally allowing yourself the permission to enjoy the food, any amount, and move on with the rest of your day. Now, when we're in a mental or emotional distress for what else is ever else is going on in life, and you gravitate to that particular food, many of us have like a, a laundry list of foods that feel particularly emotionally satisfying um, when we're in distress. And if you also don't have emotion or you don't have mental permission with that food, 
couple of things happen. Because you're in a place of emotional distress, we turn towards food because A, it's a sensory escape. You're tasting, you're sensing different textures um, in your mouth with the food. And so that takes you away from dealing with the mental and emotional stress um, or the problem at hand. So it's a little mini escape. Now that escape goes next level when you're choosing a food that you wouldn't otherwise allow yourself to eat with full permission, because in a way you feel like you're getting away with something. Um, and so there's like this sexy allure that happens around these foods um, because now there's a level of excitement of like, oh, I'm getting away with something. I'm being bad um, by eating this food. So now we have not only the sensory experience of the food and the taste and the flavors and the textures. Now we have this excitement around I'm eating this food. And that's way better than coping with the, the stress that I would otherwise be dealing with in my life. So having full physical permission and mental permission with foods is really key to helping address um, uh, emotional, emotional eating. And um, <clears throat> excuse me, as one of my clients call, affectionately called it, fuck it eating, because there can be a time where Maybe we start emotional eating and they're like, oh, you know, there's only half of the package left. Fuck it. I'm just going to finish it. And so that getting away, feeling like you're getting away with something by eating whatever said food is, that's really the third scenario. So the first scenario is we're just, you're stressed and you're not eating regularly, consistently or balanced enough. Um, your number two is you're lacking that physical or mental permission with the food. Number three is you feel like you're getting away with something by having that food and you're having that sensory experience as well as the excitement rather than dealing with the emotional difficult emotions. And the fourth scenario is having a lack of variety of emotional coping tools or skills. And this can come from, you know, if you grew up in a household where people didn't talk about their feelings, they just went, you know, go play, go sort yourself out, go talk to your friend. Like it was kind of passed off um, for you feeling your feels. You may not have learned how to deal with difficult emotions. It may not have been safe for you to deal with difficult emotions, which just breaks my heart when I hear that from my clients, that that was part of their childhood, that it wasn't safe to feel like they could express uh, stress, overwhelm, sadness, anger, frustration. Um, on the podcast, the the full uh, Savor Food and Body podcast this week, I'm talking with Megan Thomas, and she shares her experience um, working with emotions in her body, understanding how when we don't physically move those emotions, and especially difficult ones, through our body by completing the stress cycle, those emotions can get stuck in our body. And if we're constantly trying to use, just use food to cope with those emotions, those emotions are still going to be stuck in our body because, and, and Megan goes into some strategies that are more effective at helping to move those emotions through our body. So that podcast is live today on the Savor Food and Body podcast, that episode with Megan Thomas. And so that's going to be a really great one to check out if this stuff is resonating with you and you're like, oh, this sounds so familiar. 
go check out that episode. So understanding that the root of what's behind your eating behavior, um, you know, emotional eating behavior can really help reduce the guilt and the shame around either the type of food that you're choosing or the fact that you're going to food at all. Um, and it reduces the bargaining. So bargaining is how I see one of the I guess the extreme end of the hunger fullness spectrum. So bargaining is like the extreme end of the fullness side of the spectrum, meaning when we get super, super full on whatever food we were emotionally eating, we can go into this bargaining mindset of like, oh, I'm never going to buy that food again, or I need to go and exercise X, Y, and Z amount or type of exercise tomorrow to burn off that food. And so we go into this bargaining mindset, which can trigger going back on another diet or just the diet mentality in general, restricting food in general. And that is a whole, a totally natural response when we don't feel good in our body, when you feel too full, like, oh, why did I do that? Right? So um, understanding how you got to that place with food, how you got to that place of feeling those difficult emotions um, can really help just kind of clear the air, pull back, go to like a big, big picture lens, which honestly, like this is what I'm doing with clients on a regular basis is we'll go through these individual scenarios that someone might have. And of course, they're sharing their distress and it is super distressing. I've been there many, many times in healing my relationship with food and my body. And I even get tripped up still today. Um, if you may have heard one of my lives that I did maybe six, eight weeks ago, I was talking about being in the situation with cookies because I hadn't allowed myself enough variety. I had some mental restriction going on around the cookies and I hadn't allowed myself enough downtime. And so I was just stressed and overwhelmed. So I am not above this either. I will say what is different in being a professional helping people navigate this is I can connect those dots a lot quicker because I do it every day. I help people that are in this situation every single day. So even if I get in the situation myself, I can connect those dots. I can pull back and look from that big picture lens and go, hold up, what? how did I get in this situation? And I can do that much quicker. And that's what I teach all of my clients and my group participants to do as well. If that's helpful and um, I welcome any feedback or questions or further comments that you have um, about this, you can always find me over on alpinenutrition.org and just click the contact button at the top. And um, you're also welcome to leave um, comments below wherever you're listening or watching this live. And I hope that that's helpful to kind of put into a context of how we can get into some emotional eating spaces in these different scenarios, and then how that can lead you to feeling kind of discomfort and dis-ease, as Megan Thomas talks about it in the podcast episode, dis-ease in our bodies. And that can trigger into us feeling uh, more disease about how our bodies look and into that body image um, piece of things. So um, there's another quick component here that I'll just add and another resource or name for you to go and check out. But Dr. Neva Peron is a researcher on embodiment. And she talks a lot about what are some ways that we can get disconnected from those 
basic physiological cues of hunger, satisfaction, and fullness, but also feeling confident in our body, having agency in our body. And so if you're interested in understanding more of this big picture around how can you get into kind of some of these sticky spaces with food, I highly recommend just Googling Dr. Neva Peron, and I'll put some links to that below and going and checking out her work. It's super fascinating. And I think it's also really helpful to just normalize, like you're not broken ending up in a complicated relationship with food. You're not broken by having emotional distress and turning to food. There are a lot of other factors that are coming into that. And so I hope that that's a main takeaway from our chat today. So with that, Go and listen to the episode with Megan Thomas on the Savor Food and Body podcast. And I will see you again next week and have a great rest of your week savoring food in your body. Take care. Thanks for listening today. I hope this conversation inspires you to undiet your life and start savoring food and your body. You can find show notes and resources from this episode by going to alpinenutrition.org forward slash blog, B-L-O-G. If you'd like to learn more about my one-on-one counseling or group coaching programs, go to my website, alpinenutrition.org and click work with me at the top of the page. And finally, if you found this episode helpful, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Until next time, keep savoring food and your body.